Hi there, I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of Live Healthy, and this is the Live Healthy Podcast. Each week we interview health and wellness leaders and talk about all the things that are good for you, which you can also read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women in the UAE. And now, here's this week's guest. Welcome to the Live Healthy Podcast. Today we have Sarah Rasmi. She's founder of Thrive Wellbeing Center in Dubai and a psychologist. And we're going to talk about all things to do with our wellness, particularly now in COVID. Um, so the Vax, welcome, welcome. It's nice to see you, fellow Canadian. Nice to see you. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to our discussion. Oh yeah, me too. Um, so you were just saying right before we started recording the most interesting thing. So the vaccine, the UAE is so lucky, so far ahead from, I just came back from Canada. I mean, the UAE is leaps and bounds ahead of what's going on there. But we have a vaccine and people are getting it and they're not sleeping in their cars in the parking lot to get it like they are doing in Florida. It's, 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 it's rolling out. And um, what do you see in our behavior um, as we're becoming vaccinated, how do you see that changing and what problems do you see? So I think it's wonderful that we now have the option to take the vaccine and there are a couple of different vaccines that we can choose from here in the UAE. And I think ultimately what the vaccine represents for us as well as for people all over the world is a little bit of hope a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. We've all been waiting with bated breath since the beginning of this pandemic for to be able to forecast or see an end in sight. So that's been really, really good. And I think it's been quite uplifting for people. Where I think things might get a little bit tricky is if our behavior starts to shift. So what can happen is what we've seen in some of the data coming out of Israel, for example, that a pretty sizable proportion of people who have gotten the vaccination end up testing positive for COVID. And a lot of that is being attributed to the fact that once people get the first dose of the vaccine, they start to feel protected. And yes, they are more protected in a way, but what that means is sometimes they can be a little bit more risky in their behavior. The invincibility fallacy can start to kick in. So this idea that I'm, I'm fine now, nothing can, can hurt me, it's not a big deal. I don't need to you know, wash my hands for 20 seconds every time. I don't need to wipe down every single piece of packaging that I touch. It doesn't make a difference if I, take my mask off or wear it around my chin. And so this is something that we need to be really, really mindful about as we move forward so that we don't inevitably end up seeing uh, a rise in the numbers again, and then we'll feel probably a lot more hopeless. And that's not where we wanna be at this point in time. Right, right. So that, that information was coming out of Israel. It just caught a little bit. So I wanted to make sure people understood it. Yes. What about this idea though that the vaccine is the hope, you know, the, the hope for the, the, the future of this. And, you know, is it like psychologically, are we pinning our hopes on something that is actually real or what's going on there psychologically? 
Well, at the end of the day, we have been living in this pandemic for a long time, and it's been very, very difficult because it's something new and it's something very ambiguous. And so that's brought up a lot of anxiety in a number of different domains in terms of our social relationships, in terms of our health, and people have really been struggling. I'm sure you've seen some of the reports that have come out saying that mental health is going to be the biggest fallout from the COVID-19 pandemic. And I can say at least anecdotally, based on my experience at the clinic, that we can definitely see surges and people requiring our, our services. So people have had a really hard time for a really long time. And from the beginning, there's been this discussion and actually it was quite lovely to watch at the beginning, all the scientists of the world rallying together to try to come up with something that we can have and develop in order to at least bring a, start to bring a closure to this very difficult chapter. So I think there's been a buildup. There's been an anticipation that this is going to happen. And now that some of the data are coming in and showing that the vaccines are effective and that they're safe, that's really, really positive and very promising. It's a representation of a return to life as it was before, or a close approximation to it, as close as we've been for a long time. Yeah. When in the beginning, when you saw people struggling with this versus now, what sort of, here in the UAE, because we have different situations, we're not locked down, but what, what do you see? Do you see changes in when people were coming in early and the people you're speaking to now in terms of what their anxieties are? Yeah, absolutely. So I want to say that even before COVID started, the main presenting concerns that we would see, at least at our clinic, and I've heard similar from people that work at other clinics, were two things. Number one, anxiety, and number two, relationship issues and challenges. So anxiety is still there, but the nature of the anxiety did shift. And I would say that the two main forms of anxiety that people have been experiencing have to do with anxiety around health, which is probably not very surprising. We are inundated and have been for a long time about the symptoms and because everything was changing and evolving and the way that COVID was presenting at first was one way and then we had, had new symptoms that sort of uh, came forward, there was a lot of ambiguity and that just sort of added to things. So a lot of people are very aware of every single change that's happening within their body and immediately it starts to kickstart these questions of what if I have COVID, right? And then that feeds into the fear and the anxiety that shifts their behavior uh, because we now know that it's something that is transmitted very, very easily between people and there's a long incubation period. Now we go from seeing people as people with whom we can form bonds and enjoy and share our life moments with, we now see them as potentially invisible carriers of this virus. And so we're looking at people with so much distrust and it's been it's been a major shift. Like if you even think about mundane activities, going into the elevator, for example, if somebody comes in that will fill a lot, if not most of us, with a little bit of worry, fear, and panic. And we might even say to them, please catch the next one. And so our, our dynamics are, are shifting quite a lot. So those were the main shifts. We saw once things started to open up in the UAE that people were really worried about going back into the real world. So we had the lockdown, there was the adjustment to the lockdown, that was tough, but then we got into the swing of things. And then all of a sudden, once we're in the swing of things, it's like, 
please exit your secure cocoon that you have built up over the last little while and go back into the real world where you're surrounded by all these people who could potentially infect you. And that was a really difficult thing for people as well. Okay, that's so interesting. And something I noticed just in myself, I would, I, of course, I've had, you know, oh my gosh, I, I have COVID, I have a sore throat, I was taking my temperature in the beginning. And I know that feeling, I was just in Canada and a, I, I went to see my very best friend in Toronto and then came back and then was mm -hmm. convinced that I had gotten COVID and I was going to give it to my whole family who was fine with mm -hmm. me going. Um, people are very mm -hmm. paranoid there. I, so I, I had the symptom. I'm like, oh my God, I have a sore throat. I have this, I have that. And then I was telling myself, but, but I noticed in here in the UAE, I hadn't, we haven't been out in public very much. So I went around national day to Dubai and I was very, very, irritated with everyone I encountered out in public and I wondered mm -hmm. like everyone was bothering me in a way that does they don't normally like the hotel clerk was bothering mm -hmm. me and the waiter was bothering me mm -hmm. and the people waiting to check into the hotel I was so annoyed at them and I wondered is that mm -hmm. some sort of reaction because I've never you know I've no, I'm like that sometimes but I was really mm -hmm. within myself struggling is that sort of how it might present yeah, frustration, irritation, annoyance, yeah. secondary and tertiary emotions stemming from anger are symptoms of, of, of anxiety. They're manifestations of anxiety. So if you feel like you're on the edge, then you're going to be more likely to get irritated by something that, you know, pre-COVID or on a different day wouldn't have bothered you in the same sort of way. Okay. That's the thing. I wasn't annoyed at them because I thought they were going to give me COVID. I was just more, like way more annoyed. Mm -hmm. Annoyed yeah. them, I would have been 10 years ago before I learned how to like deal with myself, you know, and, and I thought, mm -hmm. wow, we're mm -hmm. all feeling this. This is mm -hmm. to, to be aware that it doesn't present like with you sitting, looking at someone saying you're going to give me COVID. It's like, it's, we all have a lower tolerance for each other due to that fear. We do. Yeah, we do have a lower tolerance for, for a lot of reasons. Part of it is seeing the person as a threat. And part of it is that we don't have much bandwidth anymore. Yeah. We're all tired. It's been going on for such a long period of time. And we can do all of the things that we know are helpful for us. But at the end of the day, our lives completely flipped upside down in March. And, you know, there has been a return to the way that things were in February and before February, but they're still very different and everybody's exhausting. You can definitely relate to that and understand why. So what should people do to, if they, they recognize that, how should they, how should they cope? Especially for people who are already have a lot of good habits, you know, and, and the people that don't, how should they cope now? Do you, like, what's your recommendation? I think the main thing that we want to try to do is shift and increase positive behaviors. So we can do a couple of different things. We can try to rewire the way that we're acting and we can try to shift the way that we're thinking about things. Behavior is usually a bit easier to do and we end up seeing results a bit faster. So this is the one that I usually recommend that people start with and it's pretty basic. A huge contributor to our well-being includes our lifestyle and health behaviors. So the number one thing, if you're going to do anything, I would recommend getting in some form of cardiovascular exercise. Now the weather is beautiful. There is an opportunity to do things outdoors. And I think that you 
end up benefiting more from outdoor exercise because number one, you get the benefits of the exercise in and of itself. So it burns off the cortisol, you release the endorphins, all of that stuff that we all know. But also when we're doing something outdoors, we get to be in nature and studies have shown that being in nature and even looking at nature from, you know, out uh, from a window actually reduce our stress levels. So those two things together can be really good. For me personally, one of the things that I've taken up during the pandemic is outdoor desert cycling. And it's probably my favorite thing to do because I and I go by myself. And so it's like an opportunity for me to just totally clear my mind. It's such a beautiful scene. I think those sorts of things can be really good. It's just about figuring out how you can integrate it because everybody knows exercise is good. Everybody knows we should be sleeping better. Everyone knows we need to stay connected and hopefully our connections with others are safe and following the government regulations. But the issue becomes how do we end up integrating it into lives that are already busy? And also when we're feeling so tired and depleted, we don't have a lot of cognitive resources to be able to do the planning. So usually what I say is you just have to start, just start. We don't have to go from, I'm going to be sedentary watching Netflix every single night for four hours to I'm going to run a marathon next month. Just start, pick one day and say, I'm going to go and I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to do it for half an hour. It doesn't have to be a habit that I'm developing. I don't need to be the best person at it. It's just something that I'm going to try. I'm going to see how it feels. I'm going to see how I feel going into it, how I feel while I'm doing it, how I feel afterwards. I'm going to collect some data points and then I'm going to decide, did this serve me? Is this something that I can work with? So we put on our scientist hat and we try to figure out what is going to work. And a lot of people will find that because you don't have to commit, right? We don't have to go to this extreme of saying, I'm going to take on and be all of a sudden super healthy and super fit. It becomes easier to take that first step. And because we don't feel locked in, it becomes easier to follow through with it. So that would be the absolute number one thing that I would recommend for people to do if they haven't been doing that already. Okay. I remember we had a, you know, cause it's a new year and I think this, this, I mean, studies have shown that this is one of the things that sabotages your plan to get healthy is when you have these crazy aspirations that can't possibly mm -hmm. be followed through, particularly when you're not that fit. And if you go to a gym, they're mm -hmm. going to sign you up and tell you to come in five days a week. And, and that, that's not really helpful mm -hmm. either. But we had an uh, article that mm -hmm. was like, just start walking, just start walking. That's what all, all mm -hmm. the experts spoke to said, because mm -hmm. you walk and then you feel yeah. better, and you'll, you know, um, mm -hmm. how about, how about couples? How are, how are couples doing? You're a couples therapist. How, yes. how about, because I imagine during that lockdown, some things were cracked open maybe. And I don't know if people are putting the genie back in the bottle or if you can just sort of speak to that kind of thing now. Yeah. Yeah. So basically we saw two patterns. Number one, people were closer than before and they were closer from before than before because now all of a sudden they're spending a lot more time together. And usually these are couples that have generally good communication and conflict management skills. So being at home uh, during lockdown and even after lockdown and seeing each other uh, more than they're used to was an opportunity to reconnect and repair. So we saw that as one of the trends. And the other trend we saw was basically the opposite. 
a lot of time together, a lot of opportunity for conflict that wasn't particularly well resolved. A lot of couples have been struggling with being a little bit independent because, you know, before COVID started, everybody had their own life and you go out of the house and you do your thing, whether you work outside the home or you don't, everybody kind of has parallel existence and then you come back and you share and you connect. But if you're there together all of the time, some people find that they weren't having the breathing room, uh, feeling anxious, feeling angry, and then that would come into the relationship. So we did see it sort of go in, in two different ways with couples. Okay. And how are those couples, if they're still coming to counseling now, how are they, how are they faring? I mean, they're doing okay. At the end of the day, when it comes to couples therapy, for it to be effective, you have to be committed and you have to be motivated. So the onus really is on the couple to, to do the work. Of course, they also have to have a good connection with their couples therapist and be so that they can be open to doing the work. Those people who are committed and motivated and with whom I have a good connection and, and vice versa, they're making progress. And for other people, they're not. But I would say that in general, what ends up happening is, you know, growth change. It's, it's not linear. There are weeks that are better than others and different things come up. Say, for example, you're a couple, you're working through all sorts of different things, and then you have a COVID scare in your family or at your office. That's going to be a tough week, and that's probably going to come out in the context of your relationship. Whereas another week, let's say you are one of the fortunate people who gets a promotion or a commendation at, at work, then that also is probably going to filter into your relationship. So it's not super straightforward, but couples therapy is still something that can be helpful if couples are prepared to do it. Yeah. I'm also wondering about just other interpersonal relationships because something I've noticed, and I think a lot of people, I mean, there's a lot in the media about this, are differing opinions, differing experiences about COVID itself. So you know, I have some friends who are terrified mm -hmm. and have, um, you know, like some may have like a tendency towards OCD. So they're terrified. So they are very rigid and I'm finding mm -hmm. conversations. I feel like I'm having conversations and there's like an undercurrent of like a danger zone. Like, you know, like when you feel like you're heading to an argument just because mm -hmm. I'm not as, I, I read everything on COVID. So if I say, I don't know. I, I, what's an example? Oh, there's a whole bunch of strains of COVID. That's one example. And if you mm -hmm. say, well, there's actually mm -hmm. not just one new scary strain that's <laughs> really mm -hmm. contagious. There's a whole bunch of strains. We just were having an article on this on Love Healthy. In the, in the conversation, mm -hmm. like you can't have, the conversation starts to feel like it's going to turn to an argument. I can see my friend stiffen yeah. and I can see uh, things going awry. I am feeling tension and stress. I'm thinking... I'm thinking I don't even want to talk about COVID. And I know this is being replicated all over because there just seems to be this mm -hmm. danger zone. Mm -hmm. So what, like, first of all, what, what's going on? And then how do we, how do we proceed with the people in our lives who are so rigid? Yeah. So I said a little while ago that we don't have the bandwidth and this has been one of my favorite expressions during the course of this COVID-19 pandemic. We don't have space. We don't have cognitive room. We don't have emotional room. And COVID is the topic of the hour, every hour with every person that we know. 
it's exhausting. So some people are just fed up and we don't have to have all conversations with all people. And I think that what we really need to do, and I know it is easier said than done, but something to really try to implement our boundaries. And those can be boundaries that we put with ourselves and they can be boundaries we put with other people. So boundaries with ourselves can look like, I am going to check the news every day from this time to this time. I'm not going to be constantly refreshing my news feed. I don't need to read every single article that comes out on the news strain. It's enough for me to read one article from one source that I trust and that's it. Usually when I recommend that people put these sorts of boundaries, I advise them to save the news uh, reading, watching consumption for the morning so that it's less likely to interfere with sleep. But then as you know, I, I'm guessing like all of us, you get the forwards on your email and on your WhatsApp. And when you're going anywhere, somebody wants to talk with you about it. So one of the things that can be helpful uh, on WhatsApp, for example, is to even say in a group or to somebody who really likes to share these articles, I appreciate that you want to share this information with me. I would prefer to find the information myself because I'm feeling really overwhelmed at the moment and going out and searching for it when I'm ready to read and consume this information will be better and easier for me. People are generally pretty receptive and if they're not receptive, then that's kind of on them to figure out. And the same thing with our conversations. If you have somebody that has different opinions, I mean, you can see even community on a community forum, there will be people that are upset that neighbors are walking outside without masks and other people that don't really care. And there's the mask wars, right? We are not going to convince everyone of everything all the time. Sometimes we just need to save our energy and just say, you know what? We can agree to disagree on this point you can have your opinion, I have my, my opinion, we just need to either stop talking about it or we need to make sure that we're mutually respectful when we have this discussion. Okay. Now I'm thinking it's like, you know, we're still in this space where like, are we gonna be able to look forward to things and again and enjoy things? Are we gonna be able to travel? How do you move ahead? You let yourself get excited? How do you emotionally sort of deal with that? Well, I think that it's important and it's helpful for us to be able to experience positive emotions. And so if you're finding yourself feeling hopeful and positive and optimistic, that's okay. Just like on the flip side of the spectrum, it's okay to feel those so-called bad emotions of grief and loss and sadness and frustration and, and disappointment. All emotions are okay. They're really useful bits of information for us to learn more about ourselves. But I think that one of the things that can be really helpful is for us to try to be a little bit more in the moment. We have a tendency to look backwards and look forwards, but we know from lots of different research that being mindful, being present, being aware and in the here and now is something that's incredibly beneficial for our psychological health and well-being. So trying to be a bit more grounded in the here and now with bits of optimism and hope and all of that kind of stuff and reflecting backwards and feeling sad, it's all okay. It's okay. We just need to understand that and, and, and remind ourselves that when it feels like it's not. It's 
Excellent. Okay. What's your, how, what's been one of your main coping mechanisms, would you say? It's been 100% exercise, 100%. Yeah. So outdoor cycling is something that I've taken up. And um, one of the things I've been really deliberate about is keeping it as something that I do to clear my mind and something that I enjoy rather than doing what I have a tendency to do, which is becoming really interested in something and trying to figure out how to be really great at it. So I'm resisting the urge to, you know, try to go as fast as possible and to track my, my average speed. I put in my audiobooks, something that I've never, ever experienced before COVID. I'm such a traditional, you know, hard copy book person, but I listened to the Barack Obama's book, 29 hours on cycles over the last month. And that was just pure bliss in so many different ways. Desert, book, exercise, being alone. Amazing. That for mom, it's like unbelievable, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. Um, thank you so much, Sarah. I appreciate everything you said. I think given us some really good points to take away. So good to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah, you too. Thank you for the invitation. Take care. That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the Live Healthy Podcast.